Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers group. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a shortened edition of the Missy AE podcast. I don't understand what was going on with Blog Talk earlier tonight. We were supposed to have started at 9 p.m. Eastern, but for some reason, maybe it's because of the daylight savings time, but for some reason, uh, yeah, we are starting tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, So welcome to Sports Whispers Weekly. We have uh, quite a bit to cover in, I assume they're probably going to only record two hours now uh, because one hour is already in the books technically on Blog Talks uh, as far as Blog Talk Radio goes. Uh, I believe I have Kyle uh, on the line with me, I think. I believe Nick just dropped off. Uh, Kyle, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that has uh, that has gone down in the NFL this week. Uh, so I figured that tonight's pod will probably will probably be a an NFL heavy uh, podcast. Uh, I just want to uh, set a, a reminder, though, uh, to those of you who may be tuning into this podcast and may uh, may listen to all of our other podcasts. Uh, we just had a, uh, a a reality review of all of the reality TV shows this past uh, this past Thursday night. Uh, check that out on the uh, on the archives, and also check out uh, our Big Brother 14 uh, Memories podcast, as well as all of our other Memories podcasts that we've done in the past, and a little. Uh, just a little teaser coming up this week. We will have a interview with Hung and Chi from the Amazing Race 32 uh, that is set for Wednesday night, and we will also have uh, our newest edition of the Survivor Memories podcast this Thursday night. So be able or be sure to tune in uh, to both those nights. Hopefully, we start on time those nights, or or Blog Talk Radio allows us to start on time. Uh, like I said, maybe it's because of daylight savings time. Who knows? Uh, I've never had any problems with it in the past, but I guess apparently tonight they decided to start up. Uh, so, you know what? Let's let's get started with some NFL talk because probably the biggest story to come out of this week is the fact that Dak Prescott signed, in my opinion, one of the big one of the uh, the biggest overreaches I would say for a deal uh, that I've seen with the Cowboys signing Prescott to a four year, $160 million deal uh, in it. He gets 126 million guaranteed along with a no trade and a no tag clause to go with it. Uh, $75 million dollars. Is uh, he's due seventy five million dollars out of that hundred and sixty mil in the first year of the deal? How are the Cowboys even going to be able to afford anybody else 
uh, in free agency this year with them taking up literally more than half, probably more than half of their salary cap on just Dak Prescott this year. Kyle, what what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, doesn't this just seem like such a, such a huge overreach for somebody who, I mean, let's face it. He hasn't really, I mean, he's performed in the regular season, but he hasn't really showed up in the playoffs. Right. I mean, as an Eagles fan, I, I, I love it just because that's more money that the Cowboys aren't going to have for the cap so they can bring in a, a guy like, you know, uh, I know Allen Robinson just, like, you, know, you know, signed his, his tag, but a guy like Allen Robinson at, at the wide receiver. But my thing is, is where's the money going to be when they have to sign Leighton Vander Esch, um, you know, Guys like that, like Leighton Vander Esch, I think it's coming up contract in two years. So that's going to be a problem. You're going to have guys like Galloway looking for money. You know, Amari Cooper is probably going to want a, another contract again. Then you still have, you know, people like that to sign. I'm just like, uh, I mean, I can't really say much, though, because the Eagles are paying, you know, Carson Wentz $30 million to go pay play for uh, Indianapolis this year. So I guess, you know, I can't really say too much about a cap hit, you know, because if anything, I think Philadelphia did horrible with the Carson Wentz deal. But, um, yeah, I mean, Dallas isn't in a good spot either. You know, like you just said, that big $75 million coming in this year. That's a lot of money. I don't care if you're Jerry Jones and you have all the money in the world, like God, you know, that's still going to be a major tax hit. And stuff so yeah I definitely agree with you I think it's the dumbest move the Cowboys could have done uh, especially giving him a no trade clause and a no tag clause I'm like you're you're just handcuffing yourself for the next X amount of years you know yeah exactly and you know I would understand I, I understand extending him because obviously of course right. you know you're going to want you're, you're going to want him under contract as uh, as long as possible, considering he is probably the best quarterback they've had. Well, quite frankly, since the uh, since the Aikman years, uh, hell, I'd probably I'd probably make him even better than Tony Romo, quite frankly. Uh, but I mean, you take a look at his cap hit this year. Now, technically, his base salary is only. This is what's weird about his contract. His base salary this year is only nine million dollars. With a thirteen point two million dollars signing bonus, his cap, his official cap hit two million. However, for some reason, I guess I guess they said uh, it says here that his yearly cash that that he's actually raking in this year is seventy five million dollars, with only a twenty two point two mil cap hit, and get this. For for the dead cap, it'll count for ninety five million dollars dead cap. That's crazy. So specifically at signing, he was guaranteed ninety five million of this. Now total guarantee is one hundred and twenty six mil, assuming that he opts in for the for the final year of the deal. It does say that there is a potential out after the third year. 
However, uh, you know, more than likely he's probably going to, he's probably going to opt in for that fourth year, but you take, just, just looking at this deal entirely. I mean, to four years at 160 mil total. I just don't see how Dak is really worth that much. For right. four, four for four uh, an average of forty mil per season. I it just it just boggles my mind, Kyle. I I don't really get it. Me either. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, it, I granted we saw we saw what the team was like without him last year, so maybe. The reason why they're, the reason why they piled on so much cash is that maybe perhaps it's to prevent him from, obviously to prevent him from going elsewhere because he originally was right. hesitant on, on uh, on signing the franchise tag when they originally franchise tagged him last year. But also, kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps they have an ins- they have inside knowledge on what the next TV deal is going to be because right. if they're willing if they're willing to get if they're willing to put forward 75 million dollars this year that TV deal has to be massive once it kicks in because otherwise, yeah. I just I just don't see I don't see how the Cowboys are actually going to recover. You know, from uh, in order in order to make a profit off of this year, assuming maybe maybe perhaps they're counting on on uh, fans to be back in full force by 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 this upcoming season. Right. In order. You know, in order to gain back some of that, uh, some of that profit, or I guess you could say some of the deficit that they're probably going to be facing, because I'm finding it very hard to see how they're going to be able to make a profit here. Yeah. Now, one uh, one other uh, thing here, thing here too. Uh, Cam Newton, he re- he uh, resigned with the Patriots last year. On a one-year deal, uh, including five million in in base, uh, what's it called? Base salary. Salary. Yeah, and it's it's weird because originally it said that he had re-signed for fourteen million dollars, which to me, when you take a when you take a look at uh, when you take a look at you know his his stats from last year. Makes you wonder how the hell is he even worth fourteen mil? But when I t- when I took a look furthermore, as as the contract started to, started to break down, he receives a two million dollar signing bonus, and he will get one and a half million in guaranteed money at signing, and also for in game for in game bonuses. Uh, the remaining nine million dollars will be accrued through long shot incentives for making the playoffs, making the Pro Bowl, uh, making All Pro. But the thing is, with the Pro Bowl, uh, or yeah, with the Pro Bowl, he has to be on the initial ballot. He can't be named uh. as a replacement. Uh, 
he can't be named as a replacement, otherwise he won't get that money. According to one of the one of the media uh, releases that was sent out yesterday, uh, yeah, he will receive uh, a bonus also for all for making All Pro, for becoming MVP, for winning Super Bowl MVP, and I assume also he'll receive a bonus for uh, winning the Super Bowl, as well as if my understanding is correct. Uh, he will have to take at least 60% of the snaps and they will actually go up uh, in tier in terms of how much money he'll get based on how many, uh, the percentage of uh, snaps that he'll take this year. Like if he takes 60%, 70%, 80%, 90%, you know, it'll go up and up with each, uh, with each level. Now, what I find odd about this is, the Patriots, they have the third most cap space in the NFL with $68 million. Well, $68.5 million, technically. And a lot of people have been thinking that, obviously, the Patriots are going to address the quarterback situation more than likely through the draft. A lot of people thought that the next starting quarterback would be somebody they'd take in the draft. But now, all of a sudden, they bring back Cam Newton. What's your what's your take on this, Kyle? Does is this just a, a case of maybe Cam will be a mentor to somebody they may potentially take in the draft, or is this a matter of New England didn't really like what you know what they ha- what they saw out there on the free agent market, and maybe perhaps they're also thinking that certain players won't be available to them in the draft unless they trade up. So they figure why not give Newton a second chance after having to play through COVID last year? Yeah, I think, um, I still think Bill and them think that, you know, Cam could potentially become, you know, like his prime self. Um, I still think it's a, it's a low budget signing. You know, I think it's perfect because it's a it's a low risk, high reward kind of situation. You know, either you get prime Cam Newton who was a beast, or you get last year Cam Newton who did shit. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is it is kind of a gamble though when you think when you think about it because obviously. You know, New England, they want to get back into the playoffs. They, they, uh, uh, one of the biggest debates that has gone on since the signing news yesterday was whether or not all, all of last season was really Newton's fault or if it was because he didn't have any weapons. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think anything can really be attributed to Newton? Because Keep in mind, he was actually playing really well before he ended up coming down with COVID. Once he came down with COVID, everything was basically thrown off. And, you know, people said that, oh, well, just give him time to learn the playbook. Once he learns the playbook and everything uh, and he starts getting used to the receivers, you know, he'll be a lot better. But yet it looked like he got progressively worse as the season went on even after recovering from COVID. Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, you know, as a as an athlete, 
you know, you deal with setbacks usually, but, you know, I think just because COVID was still kind of new and we're, we're still learning about COVID every day, it's just tough because, you know, it's not, it's in some ways, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how true this is, but, you know, it's in some ways it's like the flu, but in other ways it's not, you know, it's, you know, it's something that we're dealing with and, you know, we're still impacted to this day, you know, on, on stuff that happened last year. And so I, I don't know if it's, if it was Cam and he doesn't have wide receivers or he didn't trust the process or whatever, because, you know, I'm not Cam. I don't know what he's thinking, but to me, it just looked like, you know, he just gave up afterwards, you know, he got COVID and he was just like, you know what, like, I'm not the same, you know, it kind of, it kind of reminded me of, you know, Carson last year, you know, Carson was coming back from his knee injury and everything. And he just looked different. You know, it, it's something about him. He, it looked like he was hesitant at some time, you know, and as a quarterback, you, you can't be doing that. You know, you're, you're the primary person who takes the blame for wins or losses or, you know, if your team is doing great or shitty, you know, so I, it, it's tough. You know, I feel for him, but, you know, I'm honestly, I'm rooting for Kim, you know, get another shot. And like I said, it's, it's not that much impacting on the salary cap, so we'll see. Yeah, now, uh, now Newton will actually have help this year because from all accounts, it kind of sounds like the Patriots are going to be aggressive on the free agent market when it comes to receivers and whatnot. And actually, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know if you knew if you knew this, Kyle, but there was actually a trade that was made earlier this week involving yeah. the in, involving the Raiders uh, sending over their their guard uh, not not their guard their uh, their tackle actually uh, back over Trent, Trent Brown back over to the Patriots in exchange for I believe it was. Wait, I think it. I think it was Brown and a seventh round pick in exchange for a fifth round pick. And mm. Brown, many would argue that Trent Brown's best year came when when he was, uh, you know, when he was a member of the New England Patriots, which was back in I believe twenty eight. Wait, no, twenty seventeen, because it was. Actually, hang on. Twenty eighteen was was the uh, the year that the Eagles won, right? Yes. Okay, so it has to be twenty seventeen then, because I re- I remember that he ended up leaving after uh, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, wait a minute, no, hang on. Yeah, with Brown they. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it was Super Bowl 53 that they won with Brown. Why did I think it was Super Bowl 51? Uh, but, yeah, it was Super Bowl 53 that the, that uh, that they won with him. And then he ended up signing a four-year deal in the offseason with the Oakland Raiders uh, with 36 and three-quarter mil of that guaranteed, which made him the highest-paid offensive lineman in the league at the time. And he was also named to the Pro Bowl that same year as well. 
And for some reason, you know, it just it just didn't work out with Oakland or with uh, with Vegas. I guess they they must have decided that uh, you know, with him coming down with COVID last year, and he there was a whole bunch of health problems with him. Uh, but he wasn't nearly as effective as the as the guy that they originally signed when 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 he originally signed with the Raiders. But if he can get back to full health and back to the the lineman that we all that that Patriots fans know him to be, I think he could be a pretty good addition uh, to Newton when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know, being able to uh, to provide him with some protection. Bring in, I believe this is Lou. Lou, uh, yes, it is, Steve. There? All right, yeah, yes. Lou. Uh, I assume you probably tried calling in earlier. Uh, I want to yes. uh, apologize. Uh, I don't know what is going on with Blog Talk tonight, but I originally yeah. had it set for the usual. I originally had it set for the usual time of 9 p.m. Eastern, and. Right. For some reason, I tried calling in. Uh, it, it, it allows us to call in 15 minutes before the uh, before the show starts. And yes. it said it said that uh, what's it called? Blog talk. Uh, or they they said uh, you have one minute, 15 minute, or or one hour, 15 minutes before before the show. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This can't be right because. The show I put the show to start at uh, at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Right. So it's it was really odd. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if maybe it has something to do with daylight savings time, but uh, oh, I wouldn't doubt it. And it, and it was so odd because you know I was looking at Blog Talk and everything. I was look I I went, even went to the actual page uh, that people yes. can can listen to when it's live and it said that it was live and I'm like, that can't be because I'm not even connected. No. Uh, but anyways, glad to have you on. Um, thank you, Kyle, by the way, thank thank you, Kyle, by the way, for calling in. Uh, he ended up uh, dropping just now. Um, I want to go back to what we were talking about previously with Kyle. Uh, which, by the way, folks, if you're if you're listening in right now, uh, we have about technically 34 minutes uh, before we would usually go into the overtime. I do not know if they're gonna because we got started late tonight. I do not know if Blog Talk will allow you to call in after uh, after 11. But just in case, uh, be sure to call in after or, or before 11 o'clock Eastern, so before the top mm-hmm. of the hour here, uh, the number is 657-383-1308. Uh, so just to, just to be aware, we may potentially – the whole entire show may potentially be screwed up tonight. Um, I'm going to actually have to re-listen to this on the archive and see if, if, uh, if the show starts off with an hour of nothing but dead air. Uh, but anyways, Lou, um, the, yes. probably the big story that came out this week was Dak Prescott being signed to yeah. a four-year deal, a four-year deal worth about 
$160 million. He gets $126 million of it guaranteed. He gets a no trade and a no tag clause. And above all else, he also gets $75 million in year one. Yeah. What, what are your first thoughts? What are your first thoughts when it comes to this? Because you know that Prescott has uh, the status of Prescott has been perhaps on every uh, on every uh, Cowboys fan's mind here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but after he went down last year, that was a that was a big problem. And if he gets hurt again, I don't think he's going to be worth that kind of money. So he's got really got he's really got to step up, you know, with his game. Because if you're going to pay all that, you know. If you're going to suck or get injured, you know, why pay him all that money? Especially if he's not going to make it through his contract. Yeah, exactly. And he may not make the, it. One of the first, yeah, and w- one of the first things I was wondering is, do they know something about the next TV contract that, that uh, hasn't been leaked out yet? Because we know the TV yeah. contract is going to be coming up at some point. And uh-huh. – I don't see how I don't see how they would give Prescott seventy five million dollars right off the yeah. bat. And granted he is he does only count for twenty two mil against the cap this year. Uh but I mean j- just seventy five mil. I don't I don't understand why they would front load it like they like they have this year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe is it is it a case that they want to they want to show Dak just exact they want to ensure that Dak doesn't hit the free agent market and they want to show him just exactly how yeah, much they really so. value makes, him. I would think so. That that makes logical sense. But when you look at it, though, there's going to be so many players that that the Cowboys are going to have to pay. Uh, like yeah. Leighton Vanderesh, his contract is going to come up eventually. Uh, the same involving uh, C.D. Lamb. You know, once his rookie deal ends up uh, ends up fading away, you know they're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to pay uh, Michael Gallup, I assume, at some point as well mm-hmm. as Amari Cooper. You know, there's just so many so many big names that they're going to have to shell out money for. And I'm kind of wondering if this contract may potentially come back to bite Jerry Jones. It might. Think about, think about it. If something ends up happening to Dak, like say he ends up, I really don't see this happening, but say he ends up retiring, his dead yeah. cap number, his dead cap number for this year is ninety. $5 million. Dead cap. Which means they can't even do anything. They can't even do anything to, uh, to reduce that cap number at that point. 40, yeah. uh, to, to average 40 mil per season on this deal. It just doesn't make sense because, yeah, he's good in the regular season, but he hasn't been a playoff for, well, I shouldn't say he hasn't been. I mean, he does have a one and two record, so he's been a spotty playoff performer, but shaky is more like it. it yeah. It, 
it just it just kind of seems like they may be overvaluing him too much. They do. But now he's a show what he's made of. The world's a lot of money. I mean, what are what are some of the reactions you've been hearing, Lou, when it comes to uh, to this deal? Because I mean, just from what I heard, there were a lot of people who were laughing at this deal because of yeah, because they of were. the fact that of how astronomically high it is. That's true. I mean, people would laugh at that, and with, and with good reason. You can say the same thing about Cam Newton with his deal, and. You know, people did not take very kindly to that offer either. In fact, some of them called him a bum. Oh no! Oh yeah, no. I. It's funny Hell you yeah. bring up Cam Newton because because I want to talk about I want to talk about that. I I had just discussed it with Kyle uh, before you called in, and so Uh-oh. originally they said originally they said that Newton had signed for fourteen million dollars, and I the my first thought was. Did you mean did you mean to place a decimal point in between the one and four there? Because <laughs> there's no shot in hell he's worth fourteen million dollars after that horrific my season that he though. put up last year. Well, what Tell was that? my co-host though about that? Yeah, that's what I that's what I think too. Because that's his cousin. I. Oh really? Yes. My co-host is cousins with him. Thinks that he isn't worth 14, uh, 14 mil? Oh, he'll probably think he's worth a lot more. I mean, maybe, yeah, if we were talking MVP Newton, maybe. Right. But, I mean, I, you know, once the, once the overall contract broke down even further, it kind of made sense to me. Now, he made 7.5 mil in base value last year. Uh, with incentives, this year he's making five million dollars in base value. Uh, he gets a two million dollars signing bonus, and he gets one and a half in guaranteed money, as well as per game bonuses. Uh, depending on you know how Already? many snaps he takes, if he takes if he takes anywhere from sixty to ninety percent of the snaps, and so on and so forth. Uh, it does say here the remaining nine million on the deal will be accrued via long shot incentives such as making the playoffs, uh, making the pro bowl. And actually for the pro bowl, he, from what I read, he has to be on the initial ballot. He has to make the pro bowl from the initial ballot, not be like a replacement or something. If he, if he's a replacement, he doesn't get the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't get the bonus. Uh, he has to make either the first or second team all pro. Uh, if he wins MVP, he gets a bonus. If he wins the Super Bowl MVP, he gets a bonus, as well as winning the Super Bowl. He also gets a bonus there. Now, this, wa- this wasn't the only move that the Patriots made, though, as they reacquired Trent Brown from the Vegas Raiders in exchange yeah. for – well, actually, the deal—the full deal was Trent Brown and a seventh-round pick in exchange for a fifth-round pick, which honestly is not that bad of a deal because Brown's best season came in 2019 with the Patriots when he was protecting Brady's uh, Brady's blindside. 
and they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year, obviously, over the uh, L.A. Rams. Now, he was dealing with COVID last year, so, I mean, that's something he has in common with Newton here. Uh, You know, I guess Vegas decided that they needed to clear some salary, and Trent Brown, you know, was one of the – was one of the casualties. Uh, do you think that you know with these with these additions that New England's going to be making, and they did uh, the all indications are that they're going to be aggressive this off season. We've already seen it here by yes. uh, by acquiring Trent Brown, and also apparently they're shopping Nikhil Harry around the uh, the league as well, which doesn't really make sense to me considering, yeah. you know, he's a first-round bust at this point, and I'm surprised that anybody is even interested in acquiring him. Why would you take a chance on a bust? That's my question. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised uh, that there would even be interest. But do you think yeah, with – do you think with with these potential new acquisitions, could we potentially see a bounce back year from Newton? I mean, not not saying you know that he no, would be, no. you know, not 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 saying that he would be you know MVP caliber, but you know, could we potentially see a bounce back year from Newton? Maybe perhaps last year really was because of the fact that he didn't have any weapons. No, no, I don't think so. Newton's lost a step in the last couple of years, and I think he's just, you know, uh, just, you know, phased out, you know, phasing out and, you know, declining in, in numbers. So I don't see this a, I don't see this a bounce back year at all. I don't think it's going to be much worse, but, you know, bounce back year, we're, we're never going to see that again from, from uh, Newton. Those, those days, the old Cam Newton is gone. Yeah, it's it, it, you know it's really weird for me with Newton because Newton he was actually showing flashes of his former self before he got COVID last year. Early on in the season, you know he was really overperforming, I guess you could say, to yes. the point of where hey, you know Belichick may have gotten a steal here with Newton, you know being able to sign him when nobody else was even willing to give him a shot. You know, because he was actually overperforming, and then once he caught COVID, you know, he just never was really the same quarterback. And I know people said, "Oh, it's just because he he hasn't learned the playbook." You know, he hasn't really spent that much time with the team, so you know, there's not really any any uh any faults of Newton early on is probably going to be because of the fact that he's not used to the playbook now you would think that as the season goes on he would improve his performance would improve but instead but we only we we ended up we ended up getting a Cam Newton that got progressively worse as the season went on Yes, to where he yeah. couldn't even throw, to where he couldn't even throw ten yards downfield, or further than ten yards downfield, I should say. 
So I don't know. You know, maybe maybe perhaps he'll be able to make a uh, he'll be able to prove the doubters wrong this year. Uh, I mean, the Patriots they do have sixty three million dollars to spend now in free agency, so you would have to mm. think that they're probably going to go after. Uh, some big acquisitions. You know, I've heard Kenny Galladay's name on the on the list. I've heard Johnny Smith, the tight end from uh, Tennessee. His name is uh, is on the rumor list. Uh, what's his name? Yannick Ngakwe, the former Jacksonville Jaguar. I forget where he is now. I think he was with Baltimore, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is on is on the rumor list. You know, there's. I have a feeling that, well, Belichick, he's obviously going to be very motivated after what happened last season. Uh, you know, with the with with him missing the playoffs and then Tom Brady goes on to win the Super Bowl. You know, you you got to think that that perhaps Belichick's going to be even more motivated to get something done. Uh, you know, to provide Cam with some help here. Now. Here's another question, Lou, that I've been I've been kind of wondering myself as well. Yes, is Cam Newton is Cam Newton perhaps just a mentor to somebody they're going to bring in maybe through the draft because they they did say uh, the media did say because uh, because of this signing, do not rule out the Patriots going after another quarterback, mm. possibly through the draft because. Because of the fact that obviously, you know, Jared Stidham, if they were if they were going to do anything with Stidham, they would have done something last year, and they did just have their main scout at Trey Lance's uh, pro day yesterday, and Trey Lance is expected to go in the top ten in the NFL draft this year, and obviously they also had a scout at. Uh, or at some other pro days of uh, of big name quarterbacks in this year's draft as well. So could it be could it be possible that maybe they just signed Newton to to be a mentor to whoever, whoever comes in and and also potentially because we know that the free agency period is going to start soon. Maybe perhaps they signed Newton or they re-signed Newton because they need somebody who's going to be able to recruit people to the team to try and bring people to New England. Yeah. I would think so. So what what are your thoughts on that? I think I agree. I think just going as, as a mentor. Well, of course, at the same time, uh, you know, starting this season because, yeah. I mean, let's face it, you're not going to pay a backup that much money for him no. to, to have the uh, the opportunity to make up to fourteen million dollars. You're not going to you're not going to you're not going to provide a backup with that much uh, that much potential uh, to make that much money, especially on a one year deal. Uh, let's see. And not to mention Tom Brady, he just signed a one-year contract extension. Now, I know they said it was a four-year contract extension, but let's face it, it's a one-year contract extension. Yeah. Uh, it saves 
it saves the Buccaneers $19 million against the cap this year. And it locks Brady in for the next two seasons. He said he wants to play until he's 45. And this extension will get him until his age 45 season. Uh, now, he he is basically going to have pretty much everybody returning. Chris Godwin is uh, coming back on the franchise tag. Smart move by the Buccaneers, in my opinion. Uh, they did bring they did bring back. Um, well, obviously Rob Gronkowski. He said that he won't play for any other quarterback, so he's probably going to be brought back at a uh, at a small deal. Uh, they did re-sign Levante David. I believe, if I recall correctly, let me check real quick at the terms here. Yeah, they re-signed Levante David to a two-year, twenty-five million dollar deal, uh, which includes twenty million guaranteed and three voidable years tacked on at the end. That will help keep the cap number at a manageable three point five or three and a half million dollars annually. Uh, that, you know, they're also looking to bring back Shaquille Barrett as well. So yes. it, it, it kind of seems like uh, many key parts of that Buccaneers squad will be returning this year and probably the foreseeable future as well. Uh, what do you think the chances are that maybe perhaps we could potentially see a Buccaneers repeat? I doubt it. Even with Brady there, it's it's tough to repeat in any league, no matter how, no matter who you are. Even if you are Tom Brady and if Gronkowski comes back, you know it's you know, I mean you know the sports bears you know do favor them, you know, but I don't really I don't really um, buy into that. So I don't think they're going to re- uh, repeat uh, at all. You know they'll have a good season probably, but to be uh, defending champs again, I mean because everybody thought that. You know, that Kansas City was going to repeat this year. Didn't happen. They got their asses kicked. So I really don't see a repeat here uh, with Tampa. Yeah, and speaking of Kansas City, uh, they made some headlines this week as well. As probably Mahomes Mahomes with his restructured deal? Oh, yeah, not just that. There's There's more than that. But, yeah, you know, Mahomes, he restructured his deal. Uh, converting yeah. his roster bonus into a signing bonus, which would give them about $17 million in cap space. Uh, and it sounds like that this isn't going to be, you know, the only time that he's going to do this. It kind of sounds like they, it gives it gives him the option to potentially do this uh, during every year of his deal, depending on – whether or not they need help with the salary cap and whatnot. This allows them uh, to potentially do this multiple times uh, for his deal. But also he will be, he will, he will be playing this year, assuming that these guys continue to move on. He will be playing without Mitchell Schwartz as well uh, as without his uh, his other tackle, shockingly released the both of them this this past week, which I, it kind of comes as a surprise because they are they are both ranked uh, anywhere within the top twenty tackles uh, 
on Pro Football Focus. Now, I guess it kind of makes sense with Fisher because he's still going to be recovering from his Achilles tear back in January. But, I mean, Schwartz, you know, he ended up missing, I think, because of COVID or something. Um, But, you know, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Because it really looks like, you know, obviously the – a huge reason why Kansas City lost in the Super Bowl was because Mahomes yes. didn't have that protection. And now losing his top two tackles mm. uh, potentially, That's gonna be a assuming problem. they sign elsewhere. And also apparently he's going to be losing his starting center as well to free agency. Right, we could be potentially looking at a drastically different Kansas City Chiefs offensive line this year. Oh, that could be a big problem. That could be that could cause major damage. Yeah, so you know, it's it's really shocking to me because usually, obviously, we knew that we knew that they were probably going to have money problems down the line, especially after. They had signed uh, Mahomes to that massive deal, but somehow they were always finding some way to make to make room to fit in, like Frank Clark to a new deal, uh, mm. and Chris Jones to a new deal. You know, they still have to pay Travis Kelsey. They still have to pay uh, you know Sammy Watkins once his uh, short term oh, yeah. deal ends up coming to an end. You know the. I have a feeling that this isn't the only time that uh, you know that Mahomes is going to have to is going to have to convert his uh, his contract into uh, into roster bonuses at this point. Yeah, it breaks home. Now, one other team that has actually gotten quite a bit of a uh, of a reshaping over the past two weeks has been the New Orleans Saints. Yes. I mean, hell, you talk about a team, you talk about teams losing players. I think the Saints may have lost the most impact players out of any team so far. Uh, They ended up having to release Thomas Morstead, their punter. Uh, Granted, he did set career lows in yards per punt and longest punt this year. But also keep in mind, they they very rarely had to punt last year. When it comes to uh, to the Saints, they also ended up losing Janoris Jenkins, as they had to uh, yeah. they had to release him in order to make their way under the cap, as he counted for about fourteen point two million dollars this year against the cap. So obviously, with him uh, being thirty two years old. Uh, and he only started 13 games last year uh, while performing at a subpar level. So at the point, at the time of this news, releasing Jenkins, they were still $24 million over the cap, which is set officially at $183 million for this year. They are also releasing Quan Alexander, a former standout from the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who is still recovering from an Achilles injury that he suffered back in December. 
However, it does say here that he will be expected to be ready for training camp, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, this sa- this uh, saves the Saints $13 million against the cap. Uh, they also released Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, saving $4 million against the cap by releasing him. Uh, He was basically their number two receiver. And according to ESPN, it sounds like maybe perhaps there could be a reunion with him and the San Francisco 49ers to look out for. Mm. They also restructured Michael Thomas's contract to save $8.7 million against the cap. Uh, and even even this didn't put them uh, below the official limit. They also released Jared Cook and Josh Hill, who has now since signed with the Detroit Lions, if I recall correctly. Yes. They had to restructure Will Lutz's deal as well. It, it, there's just been so many moves that they've had to do just to even get under the cap uh, limit. I mean, this, you know, this really shows just exactly how much, how how much of an impact COVID-19 had on this season to the point of where, you know, you're you're looking at, you're you're looking at uh, teams like the New Orleans Saints, now having to cut so many players just to get below the cap line. All right, what what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Well, you know the cap is only 182 million this year, so it's not really much um, much to spread. So right there, we got a problem already from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge problem, especially when you have teams that are very high spenders like the New Orleans Saints were. Right. Uh, we do I don't even think with the Breeze is sticking around. I think it's going to do much. Oh, yeah, you know, that's another that's another question that's on tap, too. What is Drew Brees, yeah. you know, what is uh, Drew Brees' decision going to be? Is he going to come back? Is he going to uh, retire? I supposed to make you that already. He hasn't made it yet. Yeah, no, he hasn't, he hasn't made the decision yet. It's kind of surprising considering free agency uh, is just coming up here. But Wednesday. Actually, when, yeah, it's, it's coming up uh, exactly this week, and – uh, according to Spot Track here, it does say that the Saints are still twelve million or twelve to thirteen million above the cap limit. Mm. So there's going to be even more moves that they still have to make here. All right, just taking at some of the highest level cap hits, Taysom Hill counts for sixteen million dollars. Drew Brees counts for twelve point mm. two million dollars. Uh-huh. I think about that. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, a backup quarterback, is counting for more against the cap than 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 Breeze is. No figure. Uh, it's it's insane. Looking at some of these I'll numbers say. here. Alvin Cam Alvin Tamara, 
he only counts for five yeah. mil against the cap. Uh, there is one name here, uh, Latavius Murray, who yeah. has been listed in potential rumors uh, being put on the on the potentially on the trade block here. He's worth about four point one million against the cap, so he may be somebody that they end up having to ship out in order to uh, free up some more space. So there's still a lot of work for the New Orleans Saints to do. Uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he also reported that Nate Solder uh, will remain with the New York Giants officially after reworking his uh, his contract here. Uh, he is taking he is presumably taking a mammoth pay cut this year after he opted out of the season last year due to COVID. Uh, he had been due to count $16.5 million against the cap this year while making $9.9 million. So obviously whatever he's going to make this year is going to be a huge downgrade from that. Uh, but it kind of looks like with him staying in, he will probably take the right tackle position as Andrew Thomas is uh, Daniel Jones's new blindside uh, blocker over there on the left side. So there's probably, uh, I mean, at, at least uh, the Giants, you know, they have uh, their two tackle positions supposedly figured out here now. Uh, the New York Jets, they assigned the franchise tag to Marcus May their uh one of their safeties he was graded as the number five overall safety in the nfl all of last season uh batted a career high 11 passes while picking off two passes and registering two sacks as well uh for the jets last year and now he he will get a guaranteed one-year deal worth about ten and a half million with the franchise tag uh, as I, I guess, apparently that's the number that uh, safeties will be getting this year. Um, the Jets also released uh, defensive lineman Henry Anderson. Now, this comes as a bit of a surprise to me because uh, he has had two oh. straight down years, but he did have an eight sack season in his first year with the Jets, which was back in 2018. Yes. Uh, however, the past two years, he's only combined for just three sacks and 10 quarterback hits. Uh, nowadays, he's basically uh, projected as a depth option from what it sounds like. Uh, the move does clear about $8.2 million in cap space for the Jets who already had the most money to spend uh, in the NFL as far as the salary cap goes to begin with. Uh, What else do we have here? In regards to, oh, this, uh, there is an update in the Von Miller uh, case as he originally had criminal charges brought against him uh, involving oh, a domestic violence case in January uh, by his ex-fiance. However, uh, according to an update, his criminal charges have been dropped. Uh, 
as of uh, this past week. The district attorney's office reportedly declined to file charges based on the review of information that is currently available to them. Uh, So now the Broncos, with all this all cleared up, the Broncos are going to have to decide what to do with his $22 million cap hit. Uh, The owner or the general manager, uh, George Patton, has said that he does want Miller back for the 2021 season. However, from what it sounds like, uh, the NFL may launch their own investigation into this because of their – of their what's it called um their guy gu- their own guidelines that they set for uh for certain players yeah so that's going to be pretty interesting to to think about here especially you know in regards to i know the broncos are apparently in the uh the market for a new quarterback they I guess apparently they're starting to give up on Drew Luck already to the point of where they're trying to go after Russell Wilson. Uh, could could we potentially see uh, Von Miller either his deal get restructured or maybe they try to they try to get rid of him to free up mm, all I'd of that extra try to restructure space? it. I'd still try to restructure it. I mean, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because of the fact that yeah. you know he's such a big part of that of that uh, organization. You know, he's pretty much uh, the community spokesperson essentially for them. Uh, yeah. To where, you know, they get rid of him, and you know, you basically lose the face of your franchise essentially. That can come um, back I, a lot. Back a lot. Oh, it definitely could. Yeah. Now I don't know if we talked about this last week uh, because we did. We did have Jim on with us last week, and so I, I forget if yes, this got did. brought up at all. Um, but the Steelers they signed Ben Roethlisberger to a new deal for this upcoming season. Uh, he yeah. agreed to be paid $14 million this year with other voidable years beyond 2021 to help smooth out the rest of his owed money. Uh, it effectively opens up about $15 million in cap space for the Steelers to help uh, them round out the rest of their roster. Uh, I mean, it's even with him coming back, it, it still seems kind of far-fetched that he would really have a return to glory this year, especially after a disappointing year last year with how last year ended. And there's still the possibility, too, that Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, may not come back as well as he kind of alluded to it in a uh, social media post that he made earlier this week uh kind of sounds like maybe perhaps he's going to be looking elsewhere. Uh so what what are your thoughts Lou on the Steelers you know not just bringing back Ben Roethlisberger for this year but also you know they may be losing from what it sounds like they may be losing one of their top 
one of their top offensive weapons with uh, yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, after Pittsburgh, you know, collapsed, you know, on the last year after that magnificent start, you know, I, I did see a lot of uh, problems here. Uh, Schuster, well, I'm not crazy about him. I don't think Roethlisberger, they're signing him back as a good idea. I mean, he's so beat up and everything that I'm surprised they even let him back from the year. I thought this year he would have been done with all this. But they're giving him one more year. I don't know if that's such a smart move. I mean, because if he gets hurt again, I think he's going to not even make it through the season. Well, not just that, but it kind of makes you wonder now that exactly when, like, like, are they gonna are they gonna end up going for another quarterback? You know, once once Roethlisberger's time is up, or are they gonna finally hand? Are they gonna tempt uh, the uh, the football gods again by by trying to roll with uh, with Mason Rudolph again? I mean, there's I don't know. I don't know about Rudolph. Rudolph's a troublemaker. I wouldn't go there. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of uh, of questions here surrounding exactly what's going to happen with the Steelers because, you know, not just that, they also ended up releasing, I believe they ended up releasing Bud Dupree as well. I think I heard that. So, you know, there's, there's just so many, so many different uh, question marks with the Steelers uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, they may have, they may still be set this year with with the rise of uh, Chase Claypool last year. You know, maybe yeah, uh, he will make up for for the lo- for the potential loss of uh, Smith Schuster, but they have a really big question mark there at quarterback if if Roethlisberger uh, continues to deteriorate and is done after this year. And he probably will be. Yeah. Now another uh, another bit of news here as well. Some more some more releases. Uh, I did I did mention that the Lions they did sign Josh Hill to a one year deal. Uh, the Bills they have released uh, John Brown, wide receiver John Brown, which will save them about seven point nine mil against the cap. Uh, and it comes with just only $1.6 million in dead money uh, against the Bills. He's a, he's a quality role player when healthy, uh, John Brown is, but the problem is he's just he has been injury-prone the past couple of years here. Uh, however, it does sound like he will probably be a number three receiver wherever he signs. Uh, however, this does put uh, their fourth rounder from last year, Gabriel Davis, into the starting lineup now. When uh, with the release of Brown, and he did average in fantasy last year uh, about nine point eight points in a in in the uh, PPR leagues points per reception. Uh, so. It looks like probably you're probably looking at Gabriel Davis as being the Bills' uh, new third, uh, uh, you know, third uh, third wide receiver. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before you came on the air here, but uh, the Patriots are supposedly 
having trade talks involving Nikhil Harry. Wait, yeah, I did mention mm-hmm. this because I mentioned that yes. he was a that he was a first round bust. Okay, yeah, I mentioned that already. Uh, let's see here. The Falcons have re-signed kicker Young Ho Koo to a one-year deal. Uh, he was an exclusive rights free agent, so this was the only. Okay, that that makes sense then, because he was exclusive rights, uh, so he was an RFA, um, which means that technically he could only sign with the re-sign with the Falcons unless they decided to just uh, retract his. Uh, their ex- their exclusivity rights to him basically. So uh he did emerge last year though as one of the best most creative kickers over the past two seasons uh draining field goals at a nearly 90% rate. Actually one of the best kickers from beyond 50 yards in the in the league. Uh, from what it sounds like here, he could be a candidate very soon for a multi-year deal uh, coming down the road. Yeah. Now, to continue on here with the Texans, <laughs> this is, I guess, uh-huh. maybe perhaps this is their, maybe perhaps this is their attempt to somehow re-sign Will Fuller. Uh, the Texans they restructured Brandon Cooks Brandon Cooks's contract this year. Uh he had a team friendly void looming in his contract ahead of the new league year, but instead they're gonna restructure his deal to six point five six and a half million dollars basically, uh ensuring that he sticks around for at least one more year. Uh, it sounds like if if they are unable to come to terms uh, on an agreement with Will Fuller, probably open up uh, the year as the number one wide receiver for Houston. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe perhaps maybe perhaps we'll see something out of the Texans that will try and convince uh, Deshaun Watson to drop his trade request or trade demand, I should say. Yes, but I mean, what 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 is your take on this, Lou? You know, is this Houston basically try, trying to find a way to appease Watson, or do you think Watson's mind is is made up regardless of what they uh, of what? Yeah, they I think Watson here? may have his own mind already. I really do. I think Watson's got has got everything all mapped out. It's a shame because you know he could be a pretty yeah. uh, a pretty effective uh, quarterback as long as he actually has the weapons. I mean that offense wasn't really that bad last year. Their main problem was their defense. No. Yeah, bad defense. Uh, let's some other surprise releases uh, this past week. The Tennessee Titans. This may be one of the one of one of the biggest surprises, apart from the Kansas City Chief releases. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. They released Malcolm Butler, which cleared that was about ten point. It was definitely a surprise to me because he was nowhere yeah. near being the uh, the weakest link on that defense last year. Uh, he did end up having four interceptions uh, last season. 
and yeah. he was still he still is he still is capable of being an every down player. Uh, it does clear, however, ten point two million dollars against the cap for the Titans. So I guess this was more of a of a money saving deal, but it just I I really don't understand it. I don't understand why they uh, why they've decided to move on from Butler when he can yeah. he can still uh, prove to actually be a valuable asset uh, to certain teams. Okay, yeah. Uh, that wasn't the only uh, surprise this week. Uh, Desmond Trufant was released by the Detroit Lions. The second time in two straight off seasons that he has been released. They're a dumpster fire uh, anyway. True. They are technically uh, on a major rebuild uh, for for Detroit. Clear about six and six point one million dollars in cap space and leaves behind. This is the kicker, though. It leaves behind six million dollars in dead money. So that mm. does nothing for Detroit, basically. Hell, even though even though he was uh, injury plagued last year, they probably would have been better off keeping him on the team and seeing if yes. they could get something out of him this year. Because, yeah, the move did clear about $6.1 million in cap space, but it still leaves behind about $6 million in dead money. So, if anything, that basically cancels itself out down the line. For the most part. Uh, what else do we have here? The Seahawks, they released Carlos Dunlap creating $14 million in cap space for Seattle, which projects to have only just about $11 million in cap available entering the new league year. Uh, he made an impact after being acquired from the Bengals last, uh, last season, collecting 14 tackles and five sacks in eight games played for the Seattle Seahawks. Although it does say here, though, that it's possible that Seattle may try to bring him back with a with a significantly lower offer, uh, because obviously, you know, fourteen million dollars, they're probably trying to find some way to save money on that deal. But still, kind of surprising that they would that they would release him yeah. after uh, the production that he put up there. And this one, uh, just earlier today, Chargers, they released cornerback Casey Hayward, uh, clearing about nine and three quarters uh, million in million dollars in cap space for the Chargers. Uh, he was one of the league's best corners from 2016 to 2019, but he had an injury-filled season last year with back and groin uh, issues limiting him to just 13 starts. And technically, he is at the age where you start to see regression uh, in cornerbacks. However, though, he's probably going to be looking at uh, quite a few offers this year in free agency, from what it uh, from what it sounds like. And he, you could potentially see a reunion with Casey Hayward and 
uh, the Green Bay Packers, who originally drafted him in 2012, especially considering Green Bay just restructured uh, the deal of one of their outside linebackers, Preston Smith, after he was considered to be a cut candidate this year or this uh, this offseason. But instead, he will take up uh, making about only $8 million this season with $4.4 million available in incentives, depending on mm. how, many, uh, how many sacks he has this year. Right. Uh, oh, to go along with uh, Malcolm Butler, the Titans also released uh, strong safety Kenny Vaccaro, who was a three-year starting strong safety for the Titans. But basically he comes as a casualty of the reduced salary cap. As basically, I guess the Titans are trying to do anything they can to get below, to, uh, to stay at a comfortable uh, a comfortable space below the salary cap to the point of where they released him, but his release only saves them about three point nine million against the cap, and it comes with mm-hmm. about three million dollars in dead money. So basically, like I like uh, like I said previously, it it's basically a uh, a wash when it comes to yeah. Uh, when it comes to uh, cap space, because it, it, it evens itself out essentially uh, as it goes. Um, the uh, Giants, sticking going back to the Giants here for a second, they ended up releasing Kevin Zeitler, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, I believe, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. as they were trying to shop him around the league to try and trade him. However, there were no takers, so they ended up having to release him, clearing a whopping $12 million in cap space for the Gi- for the Giants. Oh, my. And he's also durable, too. He's only missed one game since 2014. Uh, wow. So he's probably – you're probably looking at a strong market for, uh, for Zeitler this offseason. Yeah. And to go along with the releases, the Lions released former Patriot cornerback, Super Bowl winning cornerback, uh, Justin Coleman, who was a favorite of their ex-coach, Matt Patricia. He lasted two years into a five-year, $36 million deal that he had signed with the team. Uh, He did miss five games last season with a hamstring injury and also spent some time on the COVID list. Uh, He is a slot corner only and turns 28 later this month, so he still has a couple of years left of productive uh, play before he ends up regressing at all. He was set to count for about over $11 million against the cap. If he's designated as a pre-June 1st cut, Detroit will save over $4.9 million in cap space while absorbing over $6 million in dead money. So this is, well, mm-hmm. I'm, kinda, I'm trying to think here because he was set to count over $11 million against the cap. Yet right. if he's designated as a pre-June 1st cut, 
Uh, Detroit will save. Okay, okay, I kind of get it now. So they're going to save over 4.9, almost $5 million in cap space while absorbing, while absorbing $6 million in dead money. So, okay, so basically uh, half of that, half of uh, his cap hit this year was basically going to be dead money essentially from uh-huh. what it sounds like here. Uh, the Texans, continuing on with their restructuring of their team, they signed uh, running back Mark Ingram, formerly of the Ravens, to a one-year deal earlier this week. Uh, the deal is worth up to $3 million, according to Adam Schefter. And he never really developed much of a market after being waived by the Ravens no. two months ago. And now it sounds like he's going to be the clear-cut number two running back behind uh, David Johnson out there in Houston, assuming they do a, uh, they do a, a running back by committee uh, play like he, like he did back when he was with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, it's it, it kind of it kind of sounds like he they basically just signed him you know just to have a backup running back from what it sounds like yes yeah. uh, you know what let's go in before I forget because of the fact that uh, obviously we have March Madness or what we think will be March Madness coming up here. Uh, there's been quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of problems surrounding the, uh, build up to March Madness here as no kidding. Uh, there are three specific teams that may potentially miss out on March Madness. Um, actually there's been a correction on that because, uh, Virginia is not in the same boat. They're, they're, they're good to go. Duke may be able to get back in if they are able, um, if they are selected. They said that Duke uh, may get in. They may they may join in. It was announced this afternoon. Oh oh okay. Was it? So what about uh, yes. What about Kansas? What about Kansas? Kansas. I didn't hear much about Kansas, but I think maybe they'll go the same route. Because look, you only need five. Eligible healthy players to play, and if only one, if only one or two comes down uh, with it, you know I don't see you know how much you know you're going to punish the whole team and not let them play. I mean they can get substitutes, um, you know, on the team that is, you know, as long as they're healthy. So I don't think you know it was right to have them, you know, cancel their and then missing their run, and they still have a chance to um, make the tournament. Now if Jusevsky was Claiming, well, our season shot to hell anyway. We're not the powerhouse we once were. We were weak at the conference. Uh, we suck. So let's just end this. Let's just end our season right now. You know, even though we only have one COVID case. But you know, from the reports I heard, if if Duke is eligible, they'll if they're um, invited, they'll they'll do it again. It was over ESPN two this morning. It was on the air this afternoon. And um, you know, I, I think I think it'd be the right call there. Why punish the whole team for only just one or two isolated cases? Yeah, you know it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to me because Not you don't all. see you you don't see for example uh, 
you know, with granted this may be because it's professional basketball, uh, but you don't see like, for example, uh, when a team comes down with cases with COVID cases, you don't see uh, in particular like, okay, if one or two players come down with it, yeah, you know, people who were close contacts, you know, they may potentially miss uh, play, uh, you know, they may potentially miss out on a certain, a certain number of, of games, but, you know, especially if it was a playoff game, you know, you wouldn't yeah. see NBA teams get disqualified from the playoffs because, no, no, no. Uh, because of one or two COVID cases. No. So it was kind of shocking to me when I heard this week that, you know, you're looking at Duke, Virginia, and just recently Kansas, you know, having uh, being announced as basically not uh, not being in their their respective conference tournaments due to uh, positive COVID-19 cases. Yes. Now, Duke, I could kind of understand not being in March Madness because, I mean, they have sucked to high heaven this year. Kind of makes you wonder – you know what? What the hell is going on uh, with that? With that university but the, as a the whole. The thing is also, Duke wasn't affected by by, by the virus the whole season, and you're going to take him out because they had one or two cases the entire season and screw it all up. No. Yeah. Sorry, you don't buy yeah, it. It doesn't make sense. So uh, I'm reading up on what on uh, on what it says here. According to Sports Illustrated, according to the NCAA, teams are yes. required to have seven consecutive days of negative test results in order to play right. in Indianapolis and San Antonio. Uh, the seven test protocol also includes people in the school's 34-person travel party. Programs can elect to travel in smaller groups if some members of the school's party are ruled out due to positive tests or contact tracing. Uh, members of the party who are held back will still have to meet the required protocols at a later date if they would like to travel. In the cases mm-hmm. pertaining to Virginia, uh, the Cavaliers, a projected fourth uh, fourth seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, will play on Friday or Saturday in the first round of the tournament. Virginia has uh-huh. enough time to produce seven consecutive days of negative tests, but the deadline is close. In addition, each team must have five eligible players to participate. As of now, the the NCAA has not stated whether or not they would change the schedule for teams with positive cases or contact tracing to allow them to start on Saturday, the second day of the first round. Uh, It does say once players on the team and the school's travel party have been cleared, members of the travel party will be tested again put in quarantine until producing a negative result and will take daily PCR tests for the duration of the tournament. They will also Mm. wear a safe tag device that can be worn in their pockets, bracelet, or lanyard to assist in contact tracing issues. Every program will be eligible to enter and remain in the tournament as long as it meets the five eligible player mandate. Uh, It does say that if, if teams are impacted by COVID-19, they will be forced to withdraw and a contingency plan will be drawn up to replace that team. According to, to the NCAA rules, if a team has to withdraw, 
the first order of business to make sure all 31 conferences, with the exception of the Ivy League, are represented in the tournament. If a program from a conference with only one tournament bid withdraws, that team will be replaced with a team from the same conference. However, when it comes to teams in a conference with multiple NCAA tournament bids, then a selection Mm. will come from at-large teams when the field is announced on Selection Sunday. Uh, the highest-ranked four at-large schools that fail to make the tournament will be considered replacement teams. The teams will be ranked from one to four, and uh, and they will be required to continue testing protocols. After the the tournament begins next Friday, there will be no replacement teams. Uh, And it does say here there there will be no seeding changes once the tournament begins. The incoming right. team will take the position on the on the bracket of the team that it replaces. Unavailable to play before the teams are announced, the conference can then identify a replacement team. Once the field is announced, any school from a single-bid team will have to pass seven consecutive days of COVID-19 tests to become a replacement and, re- and represent its conference. Yes. Um. As far as late changes go, it says here there will be no teams joining the men's and women's basketball tournaments once they begin. The deadline for teams to be replaced is 6 p.m. Eastern on March 16th, which is uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. The men's tournament, yeah. The men's tournament will begin on March 19th in Indianapolis, and the women's tournament will begin on March 21st in San Antonio. For teams unable to play due to medical reasons after the, the blah, after the deadline has passed, the team's opponent will advance per the NCAA's no contest rule. Uh, John Rothstein of CBS Sports reported that teams have until 11 p.m. on Saturday to notify the selection committee if they are unable to meet the medical protocols to play in the NCAA tournament. So that's basically where everything stands right now. So who knew that COVID-19 would really screw up, uh, you know, something like March Madness? To the, It kind of makes sense now I get, why there was no March Madness last year. Yeah. I mean, apart obviously from the fact that COVID-19 was rising as rapidly as they were. Right. You know, it – this would have been an absolute mess last year to the point of where it probably would have been canceled anyways. It, it would have, I mean, there was, there would have been uh, no chance. I mean, I was getting, I was, you know, watching the uh, ACC game. Well, I think it was in the first round. Uh, they did not play to our crowd. They played the first half, but then at halftime, I said, sorry, we're shutting down. And then everything else, you know, just falls into place. Um, the NHL did. Major Baseball canceled their spring training the next day, and for the next, and I didn't get back in together until late July. In August, started their 60-game season, so it affected everybody really. The only one that you know started on time was football, uh, the NFL, and the, and the college. Although college had their share of problems too. Yeah, it was. Uh, needless to say, there was definitely. Yeah. yeah. There was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, now, obviously, hang on. Okay, yeah. 
uh, there, obviously we have a whole bunch of tournaments going on right now. And yeah. there will be quite a few, uh, uh, from what it sounds like, uh, the tournaments will be decided tomorrow. Uh, some games that are officially uh, put in for tomorrow, I believe, that are the finals of each yeah, tournament. Uh, for the SEC, you have Alabama uh, facing off against LSU. Uh, for the Patriot League, you have Colgate against Loyola MD. Ken, mm. you got St. Bonaventure against VCU. The mm-hmm. A, the AAC, I almost said ACC for some reason, but AAC. Everybody, I get that mixed up have, myself. Yeah, it's really confusing. Um, the ACK. You have Houston. You have you have Houston taking on Cincinnati. Uh, the mm-hmm. Big Ten, you have Illinois taking on Ohio State. Uh, let's see. Some of the other ones, though, well, let's see. We have a few. Yeah, let's, let, me, let me see if now, I can possibly piece some of this together. Here's one for you. Um, is Michigan worthy of getting a number one seed in their bracket? Michigan, hmm. by Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And they lost to Michigan State, I think, too, this year. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not really so sure because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one thing to, you know, perform as well as they did during the regular season, but yeah. You know, if you get beat by a number five, I don't see how you can be at, how you can stay at the at the number one position. I don't either. You know what I mean? I mean, you wouldn't see that in in uh, college football. You know, if Alabama were to have no. lost to uh, if Alabama were to have lost to like Georgia, or actually no, that's not a good example. Uh, if Alabama no, no. were to have lost. If Alabama were to have lost to, say, Ohio State or something during the regular season, you know, it wouldn't. You wouldn't see Alabama stay at number one in the no. in the uh, next bracket or in the next uh, top twenty-five. You just wouldn't. No. Or if Alabama so, lost to say like a like to uh, one of those cream puff teams, now that would be a major upset right there. Well, yeah, obviously. Obviously, yeah, it would it would definitely be. Uh, you lost to a what? Yeah, it would it would we definitely be uh, quite quite the huge upset. Um, I'm trying to take a look right now, actually, at some of the. Okay, so there were there were some. Hang on. Okay, so Hartford won the America East tournament over UMass Lowell. It sounds first like they are probably poised. It sounds like they are probably poised for their first ever NCAA tournament appearance after winning the America East tournament. Uh, the Hawks were just the number four seed in the tournament, but it looks like. Uh, they enter the NCAA tournament on a five-game winning streak, from what it sounds like here. Uh, let's see. For the MEAC, 
You had Norfolk State over Morgan State. So they won the MEAC. The MAAC, you have Iona over Fairfield. So Iona will return to the NCAA tournament from what it sounds like uh, because of first-year coach Rick Pitino. Uh, And he actually, he becomes, yeah, no stranger. Uh, He becomes the third coach ever to leave to lead five teams to the big dance after leading yes. them to four straight victories in the M- and in the MAAC tournament. Uh, big 12, you have Texas over o- Oklahoma State. Uh, Mountain West, you have San Diego State over Utah State. The yes. SWAC, you have Texas Southern over Prairie View. Uh, Big East, Big East. You have Georgetown over Creighton. That's considered big a, upset. Uh, an big upset, upset, actually. Huge upset. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Patrick. You, I think Patrick Ewing got some redemption out of this too. Oh yeah, especially uh, Georgetown is now back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015 after they completed a surprising run as the eighth seed. Uh, to the Big East yeah. Championship uh, earlier tonight. Yes, but over, I'm going to uh, a little incident he had with, his, with the security at the Garden. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, it was my ridiculous story yeah, of the week right. on my show. I'm like, look, he's Patrick Ewing. You work at the Garden, and you don't know who Patrick Ewing is. Uh, are you people brain dead or something? My niece, who's nine years old, is yeah. who Patrick Ewing is. She doesn't even like basketball. Like, you call yourself an employee? Oh. And let's see, it looks like Ohio uh, Ohio upsets uh, second-ranked Buffalo in the MAC tournament. So they win the MAC. Uh, and let's see, actually, it was by a considerable margin, 84 to 69. That's pretty considerable. Uh, for the Big Sky Tournament, you have Eastern Washington 65-55 to 55 over Montana State. After starting 3-6 and six with competitive losses to a trio of Pac-12 teams, Washington then reeled off 14 victories in its last 15 games on, on route to, uh, to winning the automatic bid for Big Sky. Uh, let's see. The ACC, I believe it was Georgia. Yeah, Georgia Tech upsetting Florida State, eighty to seventy-five. Yep. Uh, earlier tonight, so they take the ACC. Uh, Conference USA goes to North Texas, sixty-one to fifty-seven over Western Kentucky. Nice. Uh, Southland is currently underway with Nichols State trailing ACU by, well, actually, this one's final, I think, 79-45 to 45 for ACU. Uh, Which conference was that again? The WA? Uh, Southland. Okay, I don't really get, I don't, we don't get a chance to view those many games from that conference. Yeah, this is the first I've actually heard of it. Um the WAC, you have uh, Grand Canyon currently leading uh, New Mexico State 58-44 to with about eight Ooh. minutes to go in the second half. Uh, Pac-12 is at the half 
uh, with Oregon State, number five Oregon State, leading Colorado 28 or 33 to 28. Um, and Big West, I believe, uh, Big West just tipped off uh, with UC Irvine taking on UCSB. Because it, it does say it does say here eleven, yeah eleven thirty yeah they're on ESPN two, uh, for right. what it looks like here. Mm. Pac twelve is still ongoing. Actually, no, yeah, Pac twelve. It looks like they are just starting the second half here uh, on ESPN. So it 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 looks like you know from. Just from what we're seeing here, there's definitely uh, quite a bit of um, quite a quite a bit of games already uh, already finished up here. Uh, LSU, how they ended up getting to the finals for SEC, they upset uh, second-ranked Arkansas earlier today, 78-71. to 71. Arkansas, for some reason, uh-huh. they just didn't show up in the second half. Uh, their shots just were not falling at all. No. And Alabama, Alabama, of course, they, uh, they beat Tennessee 73-68 to 68 earlier today as well. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of, uh, that basically that basically sums up all of the uh all the men's basketball uh games yeah. from earlier today and also and also uh for tomorrow but you know from going from uh March Madness over to the NBA mm-hmm. it looks like the 76ers they may have uh, dodged a huge bullet here as Joel Embiid, yeah. he ended up uh, he ended up injuring himself last night yep. uh, in their in Philly's game. However, he he was originally uh, he was originally diagnosed with a hyperextended knee. It turns out yes. it is instead a left knee bone bruise, and he is expected mm-hmm. to miss two to three weeks. And the good news just is on a that bruise though. No structure. Well, that's what that's what it says here. It says yeah, I know, I know, but bruise. I mean, I know, but you know, a bruise. I mean, and then it's got to be out two or three weeks. I mean, it's not like you, you know, a fracture anything or or sprain anything, and you know that I think would take a little bit of time. But just a bruise, and it would take two or three weeks to get him back in. Well, don't forget, he's a big man, though. That's true. He's a big man. He's more. Uh, he's going to be more aggressive when it comes to. Uh, the fact that he's going to be ma- ma- mainly in the paint. And as the saying goes, I mean, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Right. Yeah. I mean, technically, it kind of makes sense because Peyton Pritchard, he was out for about two to three weeks earlier this earlier this year, and he I had suffered that. from kind of a from kind of a bone bruise as well. So, true, true. you know, it, the time frame kind of makes sense. Uh, the good news is there was no structural damage, uh, okay. and from what it sounds like, it could have been much, much worse. And yeah. it's good news for Philly because he is an MVP. Yes, even though that Philly is our chief rival, well, one of them anyway. You know, I wouldn't want to see him. You know, 
you know, suffer any major damage like that. That that'd be a, that'd be devastating. Uh, not just to um to the team but I think maybe to the to the basketball itself. So I'm glad it's not anything, you know anything severe. I can't yeah, still can't say the Sixers, but I'm but I'm okay with him. Yeah, it could have it could have been much worse, like I like I said. Uh also we didn't discuss this last week, but the Atlanta Hawks, they dismissed their head coach, Lloyd Pierce, after yes. opening the season 14 and 20, which at this point, they're probably headed towards being out of, uh, out of postseason uh, range here. From what... Not yet. Not yet. The East no, is but... very tight. The further so, they go, uh... though. The fur- the further they go, it just it doesn't really look good for them. Because well, actually no, you know what? Uh I take that back. They have one four straight. Mm-hmm. So they're in the playoff they're in the play in tournament right now. Uh yes. if the season were to end today, they would be in the play in tournament. Uh but and actually, actually wait a minute, who took I have it in my notes here somewhere. Who ended up taking over? Uh, I believe it was the former. I want to say that, yeah, Nate McMillan, the former Trailblazers head right. coach. He is now the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. And it looks like they're, uh, you know, they are turning things around here, which could be good news for Atlanta because there was talks that maybe perhaps they'd be looking at, at selling off some of their pieces like Rajon Rondo or maybe potentially John Collins. Uh, John Collins being one of the biggest names uh, that, that has come up in recent talks. Uh, and also, you know, they're expecting to get DeAndre Hunter and, Bo- and Bogdan Bogdanovich back at some point. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there is the potential, yeah, maybe perhaps the Hawks uh, can come back into, uh, into potential playoff, uh, well, not, I shouldn't say playoff contention to, to actually be threats, but, you know, to where they would actually, to where they, they, they wouldn't miss out, basically. Uh, now also I'll tell you who really needs help though the Rockets. Ooh, yeah, uh, the Rockets. They, yeah. I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about them anymore because they've uh-huh. lost fifteen straight. They've lost fifteen straight now. Ugh. Out there in Houston, uh, they're pretty much uh, they're they're in contention right now with the Minnesota Timberwolves for the worst. Uh, for the worst record in the league. Well, actually, no, they're in contention with the Timberwolves and the Detroit Pistons as well. Uh, that's another one. Uh, yeah. Detroit, Detroit, they, uh, they've released Blake Griffin and Blake Griffin has now signed with the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. I mean, can we, can we basically uh, just hand the title over to, over to Brooklyn now? It seems. 
No, you got because uh, there is one team staying away for the for the championship, and that is the Utah Jazz. Yeah, you know that's that's another another team as well. We we talked about this last week. You know, is Utah actually for real, or are they going to come back down to earth? And they are still sitting no. about 19 games above 500 right now. So yeah, it's. Assuming they go, they continue on this uh, on this huge run that they're on. Uh, although they have kind of come down to earth a little bit, they are six and four in their last ten games. So maybe, maybe perhaps uh, this could be a team to potentially watch out for in the uh, in the playoffs this year. But I mean, Brooklyn. Just against like against Boston, for example, the other night, they were landing yeah. threes from whatever range they could think of. Like the game, even though even though they only won by like twelve points, the game really seemed pretty much out of reach after the first quarter. You know, one, you know once. Uh, or no, after uh, after the first half, I should say, because the first quarter it was still kind of even. But you know, Brooklyn they just they just really took over uh, against a team like Boston. So you know, I'm not really. I, I if anything, the East is going to come down to Brooklyn versus Philly at this point. Yes. Yeah, uh, I I don't think Milwaukee's going to make it anywhere with their with their team the way they currently are. Even though, mm-hmm. even though they are still uh, they are still in the top three teams in the league, but or in the uh, right. Eastern Conference, but their lack of additions this year, it's just I think that's just going to hurt them in the long run. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, as far as the West goes, Lakers, obviously, they're going to have to, like I said last week, they're going to have to somehow hang on. Uh, you know, they're going to have to endure so AD having out, to yeah. deal. Yeah, having to deal without AD for all these games. Um, that's a problem. Now, I want to I go, uh, we have about, uh, I want to go into hockey uh, for a little bit here as there were a few things that I wanted to bring up last week that we didn't get a chance to. Uh, Obviously the big one was the Calgary Flames. They fired their head coach, Jeff Ward, uh, who was named the interim coach back in 2019 and officially became the new head coach uh, back in September of 2020 uh, they had at the time of his uh, firing a record of 11, 11 and two, which made them fifth in the North Division. Uh, the Flames they then ha- hired former LA Kings coach and Stanley Cup winning coach Daryl Sutter as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. Which actually, this is his second stint with Calgary after he served as their head coach from December of 2002 through July of 2006. Uh, he was also the team's general manager from April of 2003 through December of 2010 as well. 
Um, yes. So maybe perhaps with uh, with an experienced coach like Sutter, uh, maybe perhaps he can get them back on track. Actually, let me take a look and see where they are now since then. They are still in fifth, but it looks like they're playing a little bit better, I think. Because, let's see, they yeah. are they are 2-1-1 one, one since the uh, head coaching change. So perhaps maybe maybe the the head coaching change was something that was needed from what it from, from what it appears yes uh the Chicago Blackhawks it was announced by uh Brent Seabrook one of their longtime defensemen uh, that he will not be able to continue his NHL career after undergoing shoulder and hip surgeries back in December. It says here that although he has recovered from those surgeries, he, he still has long-term hip issues prevent him from continuing as a professional athlete. Uh, he stated, I'm so proud to have played my entire 15-year National Hockey League career in Chicago with the Blackhawks. It was an honor to play the game that I love with teammates I love in front of fans I love in a city that my family and I have grown to love. Uh, In his career, he had 103 goals and 464 points in in, in 1,114 career games. He also played a very important role in the Blackhawks winning three Stanley Cup championships averaging over 23 minutes in each of those three playoff runs on the defensive line. Uh, He is still signed through the 2023-2024 season, though, so Chicago moved him to the long-term injured reserve list. But basically, in every other regard, he is now essentially retired from ever playing hockey ever again. 2010, the year of the phantom goal. Yeah. But you know, it, it just it kind of sucks though that uh, it does that a player a player of his caliber was uh, had had to have their career cut so short because of injury. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's happened to a lot of great players, of course. Uh, there is one thing I want to touch on before we go. Because, um, this just came over the wire a few few hours ago. The boxing world lost one of the greats earlier today, and it was one of the best from our generation, probably. I, I think. Well, actually, Steve, I don't know. If you, actually, I don't know if you're how old you really are, but uh, my generation, we had you know the great boxers like Sugar Ray, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, that is, uh, Roberto Duran. But we lost one of the greats uh, today, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Oh yeah, he he was one of the ones to have beaten uh, Sugar Ray, if I re if I recall correctly. Fifteen round, uh, in a split decision in Vegas in '87. I think I remember that fight. But yeah, I I mean I'm I'm 28 years old, so you know oh, he, he oh, was please, probably you're, you're a kid compared to me. Yeah, I mean he was probably before my time, but uh, yeah, I did remember hearing I did remember uh, reading something. Uh, about him having faced Sugar Ray Sugar Ray uh, Leonard before. Um, right. Matter of fact, I think he faced him twice actually because Sugar Ray came yeah. out of retirement uh, the second time, I believe. Yeah, but and, 
his record was his record was astonishing. I'm trying to see. It doesn't. I don't. Uh, what his cause of death was. So maybe it was probably not determined yet. I wonder if it might have been. If it might have just been natural causes, maybe. Maybe I think it's maybe probably dying in sleep. He was 66. But Hagler was 62, three and two in his entire career. 52 knockouts. Good God. Having having wins over Roberto Duran, and actually, you know what? No, he only faced Sugar Ray Leonard once, and that was uh, his final fight. Actually, yeah, uh, at at Caesar's Palace back in 1987, split uh, losing decision. to yeah split decision through 12 rounds, uh, losing both the WBC and the ring middleweight titles. However, he did retire with WBA and IBF uh, middleweight titles from what it, from what it appears to be here. Uh, yes. His other two losses, his other two losses actually came 11 years prior, back in 76, from what I'm looking at here, with losses to uh, Bobby Watts and uh, Willie Monroe. Uh, okay. By majority decision and unanimous decision. Hmm. So those losses never came Man, by you, knockout. I mean, you're you're never gonna see. Uh, no, you know, you're never gonna see a record like that in today's in today's boxing at sixty two and three. Not even Floyd Mayweather can touch. Not even Floyd Mayweather no. can touch that. Yeah, no. Not not even not even Floyd exactly. No. Uh, but it does say here that he died unexpectedly, so maybe perhaps it was it might have been something uh it might have been natural causes. I'm trying to see when maybe. exactly the report came out. I know it was today, but well, I got hold exactly... of it after my show ended, so it might happen this afternoon. Let's see it says. The original report was at 3.53 Pacific, so that would have been 6.53 Eastern. Yeah, so, just before my show ended. Hmm, maybe, perhaps. Then again, I don't know, because hasn't he been living in Italy? From what but I yeah, heard, yeah. No, that, but, but no, it, it says here that it came, uh, it came out of New Hampshire, I think. So. Right, his home. Yeah, but uh, anyways, Lou, uh, I'm sorry that the, that that the show up. for Time some up. reason got screwed up like it did uh, this week. Hopefully next yeah. week we will be back at the normal time. Uh, I'm gonna see if maybe perhaps this was just a one-time thing and Blog Talk got completely screwed up. Uh, Blog but, Talk is screwed up. Yeah, but thank you, Lou. Uh, for joining me tonight, bad, man. Thank you to right. Kyle as well. Um, we will we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And a reminder: coming Wednesday, we will have the uh, Hung and Chi interview. And Thursday, we will have another edition of the Survivor Memories podcast as well. Uh, 
for every for uh, for everybody at Messi AE Productions. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in tonight, and we will be back. Uh, we will see you guys next Saturday for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.